Welcome to the Daily Devotion. The purpose of this podcast is to strengthen us in our faith as we study scripture and theology together. We're starting a new series today looking at 1 Peter, and we're going to look just at the first couple of verses this morning as we introduce this letter and as we think about what's being said here and how it applies to us. Before we dive in, we need to understand a little bit about what was going on in the the lives of those to whom Peter was writing. He calls them elect exiles, elect exiles of a particular area. He lists several places, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. So here's what was going on. Here's a little bit of the background of why he's writing this letter. In the first century, it it wasn't uncommon for Christians to be persecuted. You've perhaps heard of some of the more horrific persecutions that took place under the leadership of Nero and under the leadership of a guy named Domitian. And these were, like I said, very just horrific times uh, of persecution against the church. There's even stories of, of Nero, who is probably the emperor that killed Peter, there are stories of him using Christians' bodies and lighting them on fire to uh, use as street lights at night. So, so it was really, really horrendous stuff. Really, uh, I mean, things that, that are just unthinkable in our day. But that wasn't the only kind of persecution. That wasn't the only kind of suffering. Those weren't the only trials that Christians in the first century faced. Oftentimes, when the Roman emperor would want to colonize a new area. He would send people from Rome out to that area. Perhaps they were starting new cities or or perhaps they were kind of taking over a city that had popped up or, or whose importance had changed and they wanted to Romanize the culture in that area. He would send people there for that purpose. At times, he would send people of of their own volition. They would want to go. And there were different reasons why someone may want to go to one of these new colonies that was either uh, being established or just being Romanized. Uh, For instance, one reason you might want to go is if you were to go there, you would inevitably end up as part of the leading class in that city. So if you perhaps had a little bit harder life or were lower Uh, you know, on a lower rung back in Rome and you had this opportunity to head out and and start a new life somewhere else and make a better future for your kids and grandkids and all of that, then certainly that could be attractive. It could be a good reason to, to head off. But not everybody that was involved in the colonization of these new areas, not everybody was going willingly. There were certain people that, for one reason or another, the the emperor would be annoyed with or frustrated with or or just outright mad at because of something they had done or, or, or because of how they were or because of tension that they were causing in Rome or because they weren't quite Roman enough. And they would send those people to these new areas of colonization uh, to help bring Roman you know, culture there, but also just because they needed people to be there, be workers and things of that nature. And as I said, it was oftentimes people that there was some tension with, with Rome. Well, it wasn't uncommon in the first century that uh, there would be tension both between the Jewish people and the Romans and between Christians and the Romans. And there were a number of reasons for this. 
One of the big reasons was that oftentimes there was tension between Jews and Christians. And, you know, if you want to live in a peaceful world, if you want this Roman peace, then having people living in your town that are constantly fussing with each other is not, you know, a great way to do that. But another issue that would arise is the Christians and the Jews alike uh, weren't too keen on following the emperor worship or, or, or worshiping the Roman deities and, and being involved in all of those kinds of things that the Romans were often involved in. They were in that way cultural outsiders. And so if you're trying to maintain this particular culture, uh, cultural outsiders tend to be a problem in maintaining that particular culture, but they may be great uh, if you can send them off somewhere else to serve as labor in one of the new colonies or one of the new colonized cities that you're starting. And so that's what had happened. And that's, in, in all likelihood, that's the people that Peter is here writing to, that he refers to as the elect exile. So with that background in mind, let's read verses 1 and 2 of 1 Peter and let's take a look at what's being said here. Peter writes, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, and for sprinkling with his blood. May, God, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Well, like any letter or, or, or most letters in, in our day have a kind of normal way that they start. There's a normal salutation and, you know, a normal way that you wrap the letter up, all of those things. And that was the case as well in the ancient time. And here it starts often with who is writing. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. They would frequently identify themselves and then they would identify who it is that they're writing to. Here he refers to these elect exiles. So here we have Peter, this apostle of Jesus Christ, this one who was a follower of Christ, who had been sent out by Christ to preach the gospel, to start churches and all of these things. And he's writing to these people who had been with him probably in Rome or that he had gotten to know through his time in Rome at some level. He's writing to them as they have been scattered out all over these areas, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, these new colonies that the Emperor Claudius had set up or was setting up, and they had been deported to these new areas, taken out of what they were used to, out of their homes, and sent to these new areas at the Emperor's whim so that he could do what it was that he was wanting to do in expanding the empire. All five of these areas are in what we now call Turkey, most of them up kind of in the northern parts of Turkey. So they had been sent to kind of these far-flung regions of the Roman Empire. Certainly, in, in doing that, they would have had to figure out life. How do we now live in light of the gospel? How do we now live and, and cling to Jesus Christ? How do we you know, encourage one another? What does it look like to believe the gospel and to, to hope in the gospel and to understand that your identity is in the gospel, that your security is in Jesus Christ, when all security and, and hope and all of these things have been severely uh, interrupted by you being sent to this new area. Well, we begin to get an idea of what Peter's going to say throughout his letter, even in these first verses. Notice he refers to them as elect exiles. These are the chosen ones of God, those whom God in his foreknowledge had chosen as his possession, as we'll find later in this letter, to be a royal priesthood and a holy nation. 
But that's not the only qualifier that we have of these people. He also says that they are elect exiles of the dispersion according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with His blood. We have these three qualifiers that help us understand what it means to be elect, what exactly we have been elected to by God. On the grounds of what have we been elected? Whose idea was this? Who is in control of these things? And we see this Trinitarian explanation. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. Peter stacks up these prepositional phrases to help the people right at the intro to his letter begin to understand how they need to think about themselves as they live as elect exiles in these areas of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. In other words, he's saying, listen, You've been exiled. You're, you're now living with suffering and, and you're living with, with the, you know, the pain of having been taken from your home and, and relationships disrupted and your life disrupted and, and, and what you know and the patterns of life undone. Here, here's what you need to remember about yourself as you do this. Peter's letting them know that they need to understand who they are before God if they are going to be able to process their life in this world as they have found themselves in this new situation. They they need to understand, first of all, that they are, in fact, the elect of God and that this election is according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Think about what, what that means for them. He's recognizing they have been exiled. There is suffering here. They are the elect exiles. And this election, and even we can say their exile, is according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. God knew this was going to happen. He wasn't surprised by their new state in life. He wasn't surprised by what was going on and where they found themselves now to be. There's a lot of comfort in that, in our suffering, to know that all things are done according to the foreknowledge of God. That all things work out according to His good, pleasing, and perfect will. That, as Paul tells us in Romans 8, all things work out for His glory and for our good, for the good of those who have been called according to His purpose. Peter wants these elect exiles to understand that that is true about their situation. Then he says that they're elect exiles in the sanctification of the Spirit. So this was done according to the foreknowledge of God and in the sanctification of the Spirit. In other words, one way to think about this is that through what they are now facing, through what they're enduring, through all of this kind of exile reality that they're having to deal with, their sanctification in the Spirit is being brought about. In other words, it's not just that God has foreordained whatever comes to pass. It's not just that this has happened to them according to his foreknowledge, but that it has happened with a purpose. That that this isn't something, some sort of vain suffering, but even through this suffering, their sanctification is in view. And then he adds, he gives some explanation of what that sanctification is. 
for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. In other words, by their being elect exiles, by them enduring what it is that they are being asked to endure, they are being taught to walk in obedience to their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. They are being taught to be identified with him in his suffering, for sprinkling with his blood. In other words, Peter is telling them, elect exiles in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, You are following in the footsteps of your Lord and Savior who laid down his life, who endured suffering because of who he was and who he believed in and who he trusted and how he patterned his life. You who belong to him are filling up his sufferings. You are walking in the same obedience that he walked in. Think about that. It gives us categories for our own suffering, doesn't it? It reminds us that all that we face in life is according to the foreknowledge of God. It reminds us that all that we face in life, all that we endure in life is for our sanctification. It reminds us that even our suffering is to bring us into the obedience of Jesus Christ, that we may fill up his sufferings, that we may walk in the path of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ who didn't consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but humbled himself, becoming obedient even to the point of death. Peter's giving these elect exiles and us a theology of suffering, a theology that that reminds us that the Christian life is not out of the control of the Christian God. That the Christian life is not something that that we live and it's just vain suffering, but it's to fill up the suffering of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's for our sanctification and it's according to the foreknowledge of our God and Father in heaven. That frames a little bit differently perhaps how we think about our own suffering. That's what Peter wanted them to know. As they faced their suffering, he wanted them to know who they belonged to and why he was at work in the ways that he was at work. See, we may not face the exact same suffering that the people that Peter is here writing to faced, but we can face it with the same theology, whatever our suffering is. Whatever we face, we know that we face it according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit and for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with His blood. This is why James tells us to count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. God is at work in our suffering. We can trust Him with our very lives. We, as we face life, need to know, just like these elect exiles did, to whom we belong, who is at work in us, and what he is at work for. In other words, we need to learn more and more as the Spirit helps us to rest in Jesus Christ and all that God has foreordained for us as his followers. May we learn to do that together. May we learn with these elect exiles to whom Peter wrote to hold fast to Christ as he holds fast to us. Look forward to being back with you tomorrow. Amen.